Oh yeah, it's that time again. Welcome everybody to the Ben Wasserman Show. If you're watching this live, thank you very much. I hope you're having an amazing day. If you're listening to this as a podcast on either Apple or Spotify, I hope you're having a great day as well. It is a great time to talk about some sports. Jets, Aaron Rodgers, that's still a big discussion. The Yankees are crumbling before the season even starts. Lots of college basketball to talk about, but it is special guest Friday. And this special guest that I'm about to introduce is a producer and board operator at the world famous WFAN. He's a big time Jets fan, and he is also a Penn State alumni. Welcome, Michael Fliegelman. Michael, like I said before, thank you for joining the show. And I'm excited to talk to you about some Jets and some Penn State. Oh, thanks, man. Excited to be here. Thank you for having me. And I'm always happy to talk Jets, always happy to talk Penn State. Yeah, so we'll start off with some Jets first. It's the biggest topic in sports. Are you on the same train as I am that we both want Aaron Rodgers in the green and white or no? Yeah, and I don't think, like, as a Jets fan, how can you not be? I mean, That's I'm not saying. Who, I, I've always been a big Derek Carr fan. So had they signed him before he signed with the Saints, I wouldn't have been upset about that. But there was always this dream, like, well, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. And I know he slipped a little bit last year. It was a weird situation in Green Bay. A young team maybe wasn't ready so much for him early in the season. Obviously, it looked a lot better later in the season with that last-ditch effort to make the playoffs. I still look at Aaron Rodgers, and all right, he might not be the guy he was in his late 20s, early 30s, but I think he can still be the guy he was two and three years ago when he won back-to-back MVPs. So, yeah, you have to as a Jet. I mean, I'm a Jets fan. Watched this team my entire life. The best quarterback I've seen is Chad Pennington and 11 weeks of Brett Favre before he got hurt. <laughs> You're telling me one of the most physically gifted, talented quarterbacks of all time has a chance to come to the Jets with a young, talented roster? Yeah, it might only be a two-year window. I'll take my chances with a two-year window because the Jets' last 12 years has just been embarrassing and pathetic year after year after year. How could you not want Aaron Rodgers? Exactly. That's what I've been saying. I know there's a lot of fans that would rather want Lamar Jackson. Listen, it's this simple. Aaron Rodgers gives the best chance for the Jets to win the Super Bowl. And that's a crazy thing to think of. They haven't won a Super Bowl since 1969. I want that guy. And I actually think there is a very high chance that they get that guy for the for the fact of the matter that there's not a lot of other teams that can get him. I know the Dolphins are clearing up cap space, but I don't really think the Dolphins are going after him. In my mind, your option a couple of minutes ago. Well, I just got the notification. They just did that. Oh, so it's really so it's just the Jets. It's retirement or the Jets, which is why I think there's like a 90% chance of this actually happening. I still can't believe that there's actually a chance of Aaron Rodgers becoming a Jet, but yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. And it's gonna happen soon because the new league year starts, I believe, next week, next week. So it's gotta happen within these next few days. Well, it better happen soon. And I mean, I'm selfishly hoping it happens tomorrow because I have a WFN show tomorrow. So oh, as a guest fan, let me talk about that for the entire night. Yeah. But it has to happen soon. The you know negotiating window starts Monday. You want to get a sense of how much cap room you have, where you are with these other free agents. So sitting here on Friday afternoon, if it's going to happen, you would think it's going to happen in the next 48 to 72 hours. And I've been trying to not get my hopes up about it this entire time. But as we get closer, just every report that has come out the last couple of days, it sure seems like Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Jet because, like you said, his options are going to be be a Jet or retire. And listening to Aaron Rodgers, it doesn't sound like he's a guy that wants to retire anytime soon. 
Not at all. He wants to continue building his legacy. He wants another ring. I mean, listen, the one knock on Aaron Rodgers, and I don't, there's, there's really just one in my mind. It's that his playoff success has really not been there. Just that one ring a long time ago, and he hasn't really had a lot of playoff wins in these last five years, even with the back-to-back MVP. So that is the one knock. But I want to ask you this. If he does come to the Jets, and I know this is a big conversation, and I guess you could say bet in the Boomer and Geo show, what number do you think he's going to wear? Joe Namath 12 or a, or a different one? Because Namath gave permission. and That was on Tiki and Tierney on the fan a couple of weeks ago. BT got that out of him, so credit to him. Uh, to Got Namath to admit that. Yeah, I think he's going to wear 12. I think Namath will be happy to pass him along unless Aaron Rodgers says, ah, let me defer to the legend. But Aaron Rodgers doesn't seem like the kind of guy to defer to anybody. And listen, that's fine. He's Aaron Rodgers. He gets to do that when it comes to playing on the football field. So I think he'll wear number 12. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a little – I think the opposite. I think he's going to say, like, okay, ode to history. I respect Joe Namath. I'll, you know, switch paths a little bit. But I don't know. I don't really care. Whatever, 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 whatever number he goes to, the 12, which is my birth and my favorite number, or he goes to, you know, one of the numbers from Cal, whatever it is, I will be buying that Aaron Rodgers Jets jersey. Yeah, and so I most likely because it's going to produce wins, we hope. Okay, now let's shift to another football team that plays in your alma mater in my university as well in State College, Pennsylvania. I know you went to the Rose Bowl, so how was your Rose Bowl experience and what do you think about the program right now and going forward? Well, first, the Rose Bowl experience was incredible. Uh, I went with my wife who was there when Penn State went a few years ago, she was there at the end of 2016, early 2017. I didn't get to go to that one because of work, right? The Saquon run and uh, the blown lead at the end, still one of the all-time classic football games. Right. The day that made me think, oh, when the Jets got Sam Darnold, well, he did that in the Rose Bowl. Like, obviously, this guy's pretty good. Um, It it was incredible. And I'm not usually somebody who gets caught up in the, you know, the the history and the sightseeing of all – these sporting locations. Some of them are great. Some of them are just kind of amp whatever to me. The Rose Bowl was special. So just seeing it, all the pageantry, just seeing it up close was great. And then the game itself, I mean, Penn State rattling off that win that they did. I mean, the two long touchdowns happening right in front of you, it was thrilling. And to be in there, we were seated kind of with the Penn State Alumni Association. So all Penn State alum near us none of the utah fans that were on the other side of the field so yeah. it was an absolute blast couldn't recommend it enough to trip out there even though the weather wasn't great i was gonna mention that. it was it, it was awesome to win and and on the program as a whole i was very happy for james franklin i've been a longtime franklin supporter and even though there were times where i didn't love what the guy was doing at quarterback how can you not be thrilled for sean clifford and how he ended his career and everything he gave to the program Again, there were times where maybe I didn't love the quarterback, but the competitor and the leader, I mean, he goes down as an all-time Penn Stater. Oh, 100%. And and I'll be honest, I give Sean Clifford a, a lot of crap throughout the years. You know, there was a lot of questionable decisions, but I never questioned his commitment to the program. And he was always extremely nice and respectful to reporters, gave great questions, and he was an amazing leader. And of course, as the quarterback for my favorite college football team, I was rooting for his success. So it was absolutely amazing to watch him go out like that. 
And now there's a lot of excitement for next season. Obviously, Katron Allen, Nick Singleton in the backfield. You can't stop those guys. Keandre Lambert-Smith had a huge touchdown at the Rose Bowl. He's going to be a big name for next year. And then on defense, these two guys I'm extremely excited about. Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs. I think Penn State, this this might not even be a hot take anymore. I think Penn State's going to be a college football playoff team next year. Yeah, no, I don't think that's a hot take at all. And, of course, um, the, the conversation is going to be centered around Drew Allard. But yeah. the rest of those guys coming in, that's a pretty good team for a young quarterback to come and play with. The backfield, they're both going to be sophomores, but they're established. They're enough of veterans where they'll know how to help the quarterback. Maybe there are some growing pains in year one. That can be expected, but this is a team that you're really going to be looking to make a push late in the season next year. And if not the playoffs next year, then the following year is going to be the big year when Drew Aller is a junior, second-year starter. Overall, the window for Penn State in the next two years is open, and it could be a very exciting time to root for the Nittany Lions. Yeah, and don't forget Olu Fashanu. He could have went to the draft now, been a probably first-round pick, maybe even top 15 pick. He stayed for an extra year. Yeah, yeah. He's staying for an extra year, and that's going to be huge for Drew Aller to get some protection. So definitely a great time, and we spoke right before I went live here. Penn State basketball at 630 against Northwestern. So it usually always is a good time in Penn State sports, but right now, especially with the basketball tournament going on and with hockey, the NCAA tournament starts in a few weeks. So it's a really special time. Yeah, I mean, for the basketball especially, I was a sophomore. I've been out of school for 10 years now. I was a sophomore the last team, last time that they were in the tournament. And even that one, I don't know how much you remember. You were younger, but that was, you know, a, a rough end to the regular season. And they had to run in the Big Ten tournament all the way to the finals. And it wasn't until Saturday night in the semis where you started to think, okay, Penn State is going to be in the NCAA tournament. So now this position where they enter a game on Friday night with the expectation already that they've punched their ticket, this is a spot I've never been in as a Penn State basketball fan where, I mean, it's almost like a house money game tonight. You still want to go out and beat Northwestern, but this idea that they can lose and they're still going to hear their name called on Sunday during the selection show it's awesome. I mean, I've been looking at bracketology. I live in New Jersey, so like the latest Joe Lenardi one for ESPN has them in Albany in the East region. So I am dreaming about taking a drive three hours up north to see them in Albany. And then could they possibly be at the Garden oh. next week? You know, just all the fantasizing. It's just that's what you want to be a part of in March, the dreaming. You know, the, the field gets whittled down, but you just want to be part of that entire experience. I love college basketball. I love March Madness. Next week, those Thursday and Friday are my two favorite years on the sports calendar every year, no matter what. So the fact that now my team can be a part of it, uh, I, I can't wait. I'm so excited. And you love this team. Jalen Pickett, Seth Lundy. This is uh, We were talking about it before, and these are such a great group of guys to root for. Yeah, I said before, their leadership, their grittiness, it's awesome to watch. And I can't wait to get back to campus on Sunday to see if there's a lot of energy. I was going to ask you this before. When Penn State made the tournament in 2013, was there like a lot of energy on campus? Or is it like a lot different than now where people are into college basketball? Or was it like not a lot of people cared? So it was weird. It was 2011. And this is also coming off in 2009, before I was there, I was still in high school, I was a senior, when they won the NIT. So there were expectations going into the following year when they were bad, 
And then they yeah. came in the next year. You know, it's the senior year for Taylor Battle and Jeff Brooks and that core group of guys. And it was a very up and down season. So there was buzz at times. Then there wasn't. And, you know, any Penn State fan will know, you know, basketball doesn't have the same hype. Obviously, it's not in the same world as football. But, you know, the wrestling program is really coming into its own at this time. We didn't have D1 hockey yet. But, you know, this talk started coming around this time that this might be coming in a couple of years. Basketball never had that same foothold on the area. There were a couple of games that were sold out. I remember, you know, a game against Wisconsin that had a game, great crowd. With the upper deck included? Yeah, only a few times, but there was yeah. one against Illinois uh, where we stormed the court. I was in the front row for oh, that. Awesome. I mean, it was stormed the court or get trampled, so I stormed <laughs> the court. Uh, senior day against Ohio State, I was actually – uh, the coach for a day with a friend of mine, senior day against Ohio State, where it's, you know, was one of those, all right, win, and you have a really good shot of going dancing. And Penn State got annihilated senior day. John Diebler for the Buckeyes just kept training three after three. So there was a lot of buzz. It kind of got sucked out because in some of these home games, they disappointed. And then it did build back up on campus. Once they made it and were in the tournament, they played Thursday. I think it was St. Patrick's Day. They definitely played Thursday. They played Temple out in Tempe, Arizona, which everybody was annoyed about because one, you know, they're all the way out in Arizona. You sent two teams from Pennsylvania. Yeah, Arizona. I was going to say that. And then with it being Temple, you know, the NCAA tournament is a great chance to maybe see teams you haven't seen your school play before. We had all seen Penn State play Temple the year before. I was in Philly for that game. So there was a little bit of just kind of, you know, being perturbed about that. But mm -hmm. there was buzz on campus that day. I watched it in – I don't remember the name of the room, but you might. Um, when you first walk into the hub, the main entrance upstairs, that okay. room on the left. Where yeah, the I, I don't know the name of that. It might be like Alumni Hall or something, but I know exactly what really? you're talking about. But During the World Cup, there so many people there. Yeah, they had a huge setup. We were in the first row, got there early, a couple friends, uh, watched the entire game on the big projector screen. Uh, one of the news channels, it was either uh, WJSC or TAJ, filmed us so – when the guy on Temple hits a buzzer beater at the end of the game, Jeff Brooks for Penn State got hurt. And if he doesn't get hurt, they definitely win that game. Uh, but Temple hits a buzzer beater. Penn State goes down. I drop down like to my knees, like, you know, the classic, yeah. just like giving up, you know, miserable. Like, so that shot of me ends up on the news. There was, there was a good amount of buzz though at the time. And there just hasn't been that for a few years, maybe a couple years ago, the 2018 team, I got to see them in the NIT final at the garden. You know, there was this real expectation that, all right, well, if Tony Carr stays the next year, they'll be in the tournament. He leaves. Next year's disappointing. The year after that, they're having a great season. Tournament gets wiped out with the, the pandemic. So it's just, it, it's been such a weird feel around the program for so long. I get the sense, though, that among like people my age, there is a lot of buzz for this team because we've waited for so long. Yeah, and I think there is, I don't want to say a lot of buzz, but there is more buzz now on campus compared to like the previous years. And I will also say this, Shrewsbury and athletics as a whole does everything they can to get people to the games and to get people to watch and care about the games. So it's definitely on the up and up and Shrewsbury is the glue to all that. He cannot leave. Penn State athletics needs to keep him in the blue and white. And yeah, you know, from what I see, he that, that's good to hear. That yeah. the, the university is making a commitment to it because the last time they were in the tournament, this is even before Patrick Chambers. This is Ed DeCellis in his last season. 
So just that commitment from athletics. I mean, these are also the the Tim Curley, Graham Spaniel. Like this is a long time ago. The commitment to the basketball program from the university and from the athletic department was not there. I hope it's there now because nobody wants to see in the next few days Micah Shrewsbury signing a contract with Notre Dame or Georgetown. Yeah. Penn State finally has a coach that can make that. I know Dana O'Neill wrote about it for The Athletic today, uh, the great Penn State or Dana O'Neill, about how Penn State needs to show, you know what, we're finally here for basketball. Make the commitment to Micah Shrewsbury and keep him in State College for a long time. Well, they've had Kerr Sanderson for a long time, Guy Godowski for a long time, and they definitely showed their commitment to Franklin. I know all those programs are a lot better than the basketball, but as you said, they have to do it with Shrewsbury. Okay, now I want to learn a little bit more about your journey. Can you talk to me a little bit about how you got to WFAN and like what the road was like after you graduated from Penn State? Yeah, so uh, for WFAN, I uh, interviewed the first time. It was actually the week after Penn State was last in the NCAA tournament oh. uh, in 2011. Uh, I interviewed, but I had even talked to them. I had already had uh, another chance for an internship between when I scheduled the fan interview and when I went on it uh, to do baseball play-by-play. At the time, I thought I was going to go more down the play-by-play route uh, in Hudson Valley with the Renegades and other Penn Stater, Jacob Wilkins, who is now the voice of, of Binghamton for the Mets farm system. He brought me in there. So I interviewed, but we knew that I wasn't going to do it that summer. They said, come back next year. I did. I interviewed again the next year. I got the internship in the summer of 2012 between my junior and senior years. And then the last day of my internship, the day before I went back to school, uh, I was offered a job doing part-time work over the holidays. So I worked there Thanksgiving, uh, Christmas break. And then when I left school for senior week, after senior week, I left school on a Sunday. I started at the fan on Tuesday and I've been there ever since. Oh, that's awesome. That's exactly what I want my path to look like. I'm, I'm a junior right now, so I'm looking for internships. But yeah, that's, that's a pretty uh, beautiful road. I'm sure a lot of kids don't have that road and a lot of guys maybe either get something else and then end up at the fan or it's just a lot of twists and turns. But luckily for you, it's just a straight path. So can you also talk to me a little bit about like your day-to-day responsibilities as a producer? Like when you wake up, when you go to bed, I'm sure that stuff changes, but like what you actually do with like prepping and everything. Yeah. I mean, it's been all over the map because in my time there, I've worked every shift, every show. I mean, I worked uh, plenty of times with uh, Joe and Evan. Uh, I worked for Francesa for a little bit, filling in on his show. Uh, the big one for me, the big chance was filling in on Boomer and Carton at the time. And since 2016, when I first got to do that, I've been their fill-in uh, board op now producer. Uh, again, now it's been seven years. Uh, full-time, I produced the overnights. That just happened to be the shift that was open when I was in line for uh, to be the next person that got a full-time job. So I've been doing that full-time since 2017 uh rotating hosts you know tony page did the overnights steve summers was still at night you know the legend the schmoozer uh dremsky good buddy of mine did it for a while now it's salicata also a good pal of mine have keith mcpherson uh he's the newer nighttime host he started november of 2021 so i produce those overnight hours regardless of who's on okay through friday so sunday night through thursday night the one great uh, part of the overnights is having my weekends free, but I kind of wake up, you know, I try to, it's overnight. So you have to change your entire, I mean, your entire life changes when you start working overnight. Yeah. And in sports industry as a whole. Right. 
Uh, well, it's weird because, you know, it'll conflict with a lot in life, but sports, not really as much because I'll sleep. I'll try to be asleep by like 7.30 in the morning and wake up around 1.30, maybe one or two days a week. I'll sleep a little bit longer. If there are nights where there are not games on, I might throw in a nap before I go back to work. Um, but because working nights and overnights, I'm always up. I'm always around when games are on. So I don't miss anything for that reason. Yeah. One time it's tough is Sundays during the football season because got to be up or, uh, and even Saturdays during the football season, got to be up before noon to watch the college games before one to watch the NFL games. Um, you know, it's the prep is, you know, being involved on Twitter, just paying attention really to what's going on, watching games. If anything happens, you know, you'll reach out to the, the host you work with, but thankfully we're not really guest heavy in those hours. So it'll take something extreme for us to say, all right, let's try to book a guest. Cause even then you might want to book a guest, but while we're awake from those hours, not yeah. a lot of people who you'd want to come on, you know, maybe if you have friends of the show who are based on the West coast or late running games, like, you know, when the Mets or Yankees might be out on the West coast, we might sometimes try to set it up where one of the riders will come on when they're back at the hotel or things like that. But it's rare. It doesn't happen. Um, all that often. So it's really just about being as engaged as you can be throughout the day. And even if not giving yourself a good, you know, 20 minutes, half hour to, if you have busy days and they happen for everybody, catch up on everything that you may have missed before you start your shift at work that night. Yeah. And, and obviously WFN is a New York sports station, but how much is it like national talk in, in like the prepping? It's mostly local. I mean, when in doubt, go local, and when in doubt, and you're a New Yorker, so you'll get this, where the rest of the world thinks football, 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 and don't get me wrong, the Giants and the Jets are huge for us, Yeah. But in New York, when in doubt, you think baseball, it's Yankees, yep. it's Mets, that's just been the way New York is, that's been what WFAN is since its inception in 1987, so, you know, you, you mix in the national... Again, NFL is a big one. You know, if Ryan Rodgers was being speculated to move to another team, we would talk about it. It wouldn't be leading our shows every day because it's not the Jets, but we would still talk about it because it's somebody high profile. It's Aaron Rodgers. It's a Hall of Famer. You know, NFL playoffs, you do stuff like that. I was on after I hosted after the uh, Jaguars came back to beat the Chargers a couple of months ago. So I opened the show obviously reacting to that game and the great comeback. That was a crazy game. The first two and a half hours of the show were just people reacting to that game. So we do everything, but more often than you would think, or maybe that's exactly what you would think. I mean, I, I would guess 90, 95% of the time we're doing local or even with the national, maybe how it ties into the local. Like you yeah, know, no, even I, if I, you're doing I, a national topic, you're never, you're never going to go more than, you know, 15, 20 minutes. You might do a segment on a national topic, then you're coming back the next segment and either going local or tying that national into the local. It would have to be something earth shattering, you know, some, a legend passes away, some kind of scandal, like in 2011 WFAN famously, and they got a lot of recognition for their great coverage also because Penn State or Kim Jones was a big part of it yeah. uh, when they did the Paterno and Sandusky stuff for so long. It, it takes a story of that magnitude to get us off of local for an extended period of time. 
Gotcha. And I actually had the chance to talk to Steve Summers a few weeks ago, and he said, "Really, Yankees and Mets? Yeah, Steve, he's a very nice guy. I really appreciate him. Uh, he said Yankees and Mets just completely yeah. run the station and run the city. Which and people don't get it if you're not from New York, because and again, I understand that I'm a, you know a younger fan. You're a younger fan. Football runs the country. And if I was king, York, that's what I always say. Right, but in New York, it's baseball. And again, the Jets and Giants still." matter they're so important but let's say you know october or even september if jets and giants have an early week one week two big story if the metric yankees are in a pennant race that's what's driving our shot i mean it's just mm -hmm. you know mlb offseason and a part of this too is that the jets and giants were so bad for so long but in november december not even the news of a contract signing the rumor that you know metro yankees may be in on this person that's the story of the day, not, hey, the Giants just lost to the Eagles 31-24. No, no, no. The Mets might be signing this guy. Yeah. It's, and it's a different dynamic. I'm not sure if you screen calls or not, but I'm sure you could sense the post when everybody's calling in and saying, yeah, I want to talk about the Yankees. I want to talk about the Yankees. So uh, my next question for you is when you're hosting a show, how does your producing experience help you with like kind of hosting and preparing to be on air? I think it helps a ton. I think it's been one of the biggest uh, beneficiaries for me just because, you know, when you're used to producing for so long, so many years, I was a producer for seven, eight years before I got on the air and full-time for four. So, you know, you just, one, you've seen just about everything. You've heard just about everything. You understand the cause. You understand the audience. You just go in with a a greater understanding of one doing it for this station too. And this time slot, even more specifically, there's just an understanding that, you know, you can't teach, but you can learn it over an extended period of time. And, you know, doing it five days a week for many, many years, I think it's been a big boost. You know, part of it too could just be something so simple as understanding that, you know, the Yankees and the Mets, where even if there are people that are hyped up, if they're football fans, Giants, Jets, if there's a Yankees and Mets story, knowing from that producer angle, just having that in my mind of, okay, this is actually be the this is actually the bigger story. So this is what I'm going to lead the show with. This is how I'm going to construct my open. This is how I'm going to kind of build my show. If you're building it by, you know, your main point or maybe your two main points that are going to get you through a show, you know, starting off, I go in as a producer kind of knowing, all right, this is where I want to start the show maybe do the first two of the four hours before getting to the next point in the back end. The producer knowledge helps a ton. And then even adding in another one, you know, by screening the calls, working overnight, you know, I am lucky that I have a good feel for 90% of our callers. So I'll know who can, you know, add to something in a segment for me. I can know something if I'm looking for a good call for reaction to this team in a certain way. I know this is a good person to go to here if they're on the board, or I know this is a good person to avoid until maybe later on. So is there any caller that you just completely avoid? Or I guess there's a better question is what, what caller, like, I guess names or just funny stories have just produced like a ton of great content for you on your shows? Oh, I mean, there, there's so many. I mean, first of all, there's, there are great callers. People yeah. sometimes, I mean, dismiss callers and uh, talk radio or especially the overnight. It's New York. There are people who are great sports fans who just happen to have jobs where they work all of the overnight or part of the overnight. 
So we have some great callers. I mean, we have guys that I've grown friendly with in the last few years. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'll talk sports with outside of work. So there are some great ones. There are also some terrible ones. I mean, there are guys who, you know, love to be combative. There are guys who don't really care about reality. They just kind of, whatever's happening, whatever their teams do, it's great and they'll defend it. And then they might go backwards the next day, do a complete 180 and tell you how it's all just whatever the team does, you know, it's great. There are people who, no matter what their team does, they, they say they're diehard fans, no matter what the team does, they're wrong. Uh, there, there are all sorts of personalities, all sorts of characters. There, I mean, we have a guy who I try to never put him on, and he yeah, just calls and says literally the same thing every time. It's, I don't think they're going to do it. And you have to ask him, I mean, who's they? Who's, what's it? Like, what, is, what does that mean? You know, and it's oh, like, that's all he says? Down. There's no context? I don't think this team is going to win this game, or I don't think this team is going to win a championship. I mean, I remember one day where he called, I mean, it might have been after the first game or two of the baseball season and said, I have a good feeling about the Yankees. I don't think they're going to do it. What's it? Win the World Series. I'm like, all right, let's let's maybe wait until, you know, 100 games into the season to check in. But we have all sorts of characters and personalities. The combative ones can be really fun. If they're respectful about it, the host can have fun with it. You know, debate is great. If it's good debate and both people have tangible points that they're clinging to, you know, the debate is that's what sports talk always has been for me. It's, you know, guys sitting down. You know, just like this, or people sitting down at a bar and talking sports while a game is on. So there are great callers who bring that. Then there are callers who will ask about, you know, mental thing. I mean, we have one caller who I would love to know what it's like on his planet because all I know from talking to this guy a lot of days for a lot of years is that he is not based on Earth. And he just, he'll call up with some of the, the craziest ideas about, you know, I don't know if this team is going to win because, you know, this guy scratch his nose and i don't think that means his head is in the game i mean we're talking stuff like this and then one day yeah. we dropped in this insane story right after the world cup final it was the night we thought the mets signed carlos correa that was and a big night i remember seeing your twitter you were going crazy i was producing the morning show that morning yeah. so i was up and then he i just heard this guy driving in and he had this throwaway comment about being longtime personal friends with Lionel messi and he's like, wait, what? Like he just so we have we have all sorts of characters. Uh, yeah, good, and bad. even the bad, you can find a way with ninety nine point nine percent of them to weave them into a show and make it fun. Because over the course of three, four, five hours, you know, every now and then a little silliness for thirty seconds to a minute to break it up. If you know how to do it right, it can work. Yeah, and that's what makes the shows great, and that's what makes the stations great. I mean, you need everybody to to be a part of the show, including the callers. And, and nobody was better at handling the bad or funny, weird callers than Steve Summers. Yeah, well, he knows how to talk and just, just connect with people. No, he's, listen, he was, they're, they're all great. Again, I've worked with everybody that, you know, you might think of with WFAN, except for Dog. I got there after he left. But okay. Mike, Boomer, Craig, Geo, Joe, Evan, Steve, Tony, now Sal. Like, they're just all of these guys. The 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 they're all great in so many ways, and it's just been – I mean, I really can't say enough how great a place it's been to work for the last decade plus. Yeah, that's amazing. All the personalities are – they're all you would hope for them to be. So what would you say is like your wow moment, whether that's first time on the air or maybe first time meeting somebody? What has been like that, oh, wow, I'm actually here moment? 
Um, early, I mean, early on as an intern, you know, the first time you do an overnight, uh, this part of the program isn't there anymore, but screening calls in the overnight and, you know, Steve Summers and Tony Page, they say your name and then they throw to you on an overnight and all of a sudden you're just like, wait, I'm on the air at WFM, but there's a lot of them, you know, the work, first time you work with Joe and Evan and, you know, Joe Beningo, the first time he saw me, I walked into, you know, the control room to run the board and he does his, you know, classic open. You know, board our producer on the other side of the glass. So you got Ernie Acosta, some guy I don't know. You know, <laughs> then after that segment, introducing myself to him. And now, you know, I'll probably call Joe at home when, when or if the Jets get Aaron Rodgers in a couple yeah. of years. Uh, you know, the first time I worked with Boomer and Carton and the first time that Craig included you as part of that show, you know, which I did, they started when I was in high school. So loved that show. And then the first time you actually become a part of it, it just, Every time it's just that wow moment. The first time Mike Francesa looks at you during the show and asks you a question, you're like, me? Like, yeah. Are, are you like, are you sure? Like, you're Mike Francesa. Um, just, just all of it. Every, every single time it's just, it, it, it was a wow moment. Now I'm very used to it because I've been there for so long. I know all these guys. I've worked with all of them. But the first one, the first time with every big personality was that wow moment for me. No, that's awesome. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the Mets here. You, do you feel good about the Mets going into the season? As you said before, they lost out on Correa, but that's not really a huge deal. They still got those two horses, Scherzer and Verlander. They got a pretty stacked lineup. They got McNeil back. So what, do you, what are your feelings about the Mets? And my feelings about the Mets are they're, they're a great team. They're, you know, they're in a league where there are a lot of other great teams. They're in a division where there are two other great teams. There's only one division with three stacked teams in all baseball. They happen to be in it. You know, the, the Phillies also spend a lot and want to win. The Braves spend and want to win. The Braves are uh, former world champs. Two years ago, the Phillies were in the World Series a year ago. I know some people think maybe the Mets should have done more. To me, it's, you know, maybe you want to argue they should have done some things differently. I can't look at a team that is about to smash not just break, but completely destroy the payroll record for the sport and say they needed to do more. Like, I don't think yeah. they should have signed Carlos Correa. It would have been great to have him in the lineup. But if they think it was a bad investment, a bad business decision, I'm not going to tell Steve Cohen how to make a business decision. I'm, you know, I might not be confident in everything the Mets do. I'm pretty confident that Steve Cohen knows what he's doing when it comes to investing in the team. It's just, it, it, it's a time where Met fans should be appreciative. You still want to win, and you can be disappointed if they lose, and you can you know nitpick certain players and things like that. But from where this franchise was, if you were a Mets fan that went in every year, you know people used to trick themselves into thinking the Mets had a chance of winning when I really didn't think they did. And now they do have a chance, and now they do try to go out there and put the best team on the field and win. They're not going to get every decision right. No team ever does, but this is a time where with the investment they're putting into the team and the experience for the fans on the field and off the field, this is a time Mets fans should be excited and appreciative about what they're getting. Cause this is, you look around the rest of major league baseball, this is rare in professional sports. This is rare to have an owner who's as dedicated to the team as Steve Cohen is to the Mets right now. So especially cause Mets fans up until two and a half years ago, were used to pretty much the opposite with the well ponds. Yeah. Right appreciate it, cherish it because, you know, it's not going to last forever, 
and you look around the rest of the, the country and the rest of the sport, most fans don't get this, you know, hopefully the wins and the championships come, but it's nice to know that, you know, you'll be in the conversation every single year and it's not, all right, they had a two year playoff run, run like a small market team. We'll see you again in six to eight years. Not with Cohen. No, nope. no, you got the owner. And you got the manager. That's the window of being open and competitiveness for them. And, you know, they're trying to build it the right way. We want to build up the farm system. We want to have our own guys. It's, it's going to take time. It's a process. I think people thought because of the money, Steve Cohen would come in and one year, all of a sudden they're winning World Series. That was never really realistic to me. And, you know, I think most, you know, it's always the, the vocal minority that drives you nuts. I think most fans are thrilled about the position the Mets are in. You know, they might want one of the kids up on opening day instead of Darren Ruff, a thing like that. But on the whole, I think most people are appreciative and thrilled about where the Mets are because how can you not be compared to what exactly. Maybe the one thing that people are annoyed about is that DeGrom left, but then he gets injured again. And, you know, that's right. and then when they, and they, got later, they were, uh, replaced DeGrom with Justin Verlander. Yeah. I mean, how much can you really complain? No, exactly. And, you know, as a Yankees fan, I think the Mets are going to have a great season. And I'm jealous of a manager. I'm jealous of Buck Showalter. Uh, I love Buck. And I've always been, I've always knocked Aaron Boone because uh, I, I was also a big Joe Girardi guy. Uh, so Boone to me is just not the answer, but you know, listen, both teams are still great. I mean, what's the floor for these teams? Even if they're decimated by injuries, they're eliminated from the playoffs on the last week. I mean, both of them should still be yeah. playoff teams, especially the Yankees. Cause the AL is a weaker league. They have the Astros, but the rest of the league is weaker than the national league. Both teams should still be in the playoffs. They should still be high eighties, bare minimum, but probably low to high 90s win teams that you can expect to have a chance to win a World Series when you get into October. And really, heading into opening day, it's three weeks away. What more can you really ask for a team? And the Yankees have been that pretty much every year for our entire lives. And now the Mets are going to be in a position where they too hope to be that team every year. That's that's all you can really ask for as a sports fan going in. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's all you could ask for. And they Put the pieces together, and you just got to see what happens. So going back to your question, what is the floor? I think for the Yankees, the floor is second in the division. Maybe Toronto or Tampa were still – I don't really think Tampa is that good, but they um, always seem yeah. to get wins. And then the floor for the Mets would be third in the division. But still but, probably a wild card team. Yeah, which is still the playoffs. Because right, listen, that, and ask the Phillies how that worked out last year. I don't think they're too upset about it. Third in the division yeah. wild card team. No, exactly. So my last question for you, being in Com Radio, I just want to ask you, you were in Com Radio when you were in school. How did Com Radio and everything that you did with the club help you with what you do now or help you land a job afterwards and feel comfortable in that role? I mean, it was it was everything. I mean, I, you know, growing up in uh, New York and New Jersey, I just kind of always assumed I would go to Syracuse. I visited the campus and I was like, oh, I don't I don't really we don't really get it. You know, sorry yeah. to all the Syracuse fans who love it. I visited Penn State, my accepted students day. Uh, thankfully, my mom was adamant. You have to see at least one other school. So visited Penn State. It was the Friday of Thon weekend. That's a great it time. Lizard. So the tour, you know, we were supposed to do the walking tour. We ended up having to be on a bus. We couldn't really get close to most places. Snow's coming down. You can't see the campus. It just clicked. And then I met with Jeff Brown in com radio for 
about 30 to 45 minutes after touring the collegiate. And I just came out of that meeting knowing I was going to go to Penn State and I was going to join Com Radio. I went to the first meeting. You know, the meetings were Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I was there on Tuesday. I introduced myself to one of the sports directors at the time, Brian Tripp, the voice of Penn yeah, State. Yeah, I just spoke just, to him yesterday, actually. That's really funny. Incredible, incredible broadcaster. Great guy. Uh, you know, talked to him. He got get me my start right away. I was on the air that weekend with an NFL preview show. Uh, and, you know, the first weekend of my Penn State career, that Saturday, I'm hosting the tailgate show for Com Radio live outside of Gate B. For Com uh, That's where it used to be. I'm yeah. just standing there hosting a tailgate show. No on-air experience, but just that what Com Radio offers and what Jeff tells you when or when you go on a tour, the ability to be on air early and learn and grow instead of watching from the sidelines and having my own show my freshman year, getting involved doing play-by-play, just all of it, every rep, every day. And then, I mean, just that's on air. Then, you know, learning how to, you know, be in management. I was a director. I was the GM, uh, you know, learning how to produce uh, for shows or for events. Uh, we did a Com Radio morning show starting in my sophomore year with a good friend of mine. And then a road day? the post. Like, well, we ended up, because of class schedules, we each did it four days a week. But okay, that's still a lot, though. Yeah, right. And there were some days where, I mean, wow, did we not want to get up. Um, <laughs> or at least I did not want to get up and get dragged out of bed, you know, thinking, am I, am I doing college wrong? But uh, just all of it, just just every everything from Com Radio. Then, I mean, the friends I've made, uh, multiple groomsmen in my wedding this past year were people I met through Com Radio. A bunch of other guests. The guy who officiated my wedding was one of the other sports directors. Wow! When I went up and introduced myself to Brian Tripp, Dan Krapinski was one of the other sports directors. He officiated my wedding. That's crazy. Last year. So I mean, when I say Com Radio was everything to me, it really, it really was. I mean, I, I gave so much time to it when I was in school, and I have zero regrets about that because it returned everything and then some. I mean. People ask me, you know, were you in a frat when you were in school? And the answer is no, but I mean, for all intents and purposes, I really was in that group with what we did, the hours we spent back when it was at Innovation Park and, you know, being a freshman on the Red Link and yeah. that quality bonding time, just learn, figuring out, waiting for the bus, how to get there, how to get back, all the times just sitting there because you had to make the trip, you would, you would spend the entire day there in the labs and just in the studios and the newsroom all of it in every single way. I mean, that, that was the fraternity, the people, it just, I mean, I can, I will never be able to show enough gratitude to Com radio and what it meant to me and the school and the college communications, all of it. Well, that's awesome. I'm going to have to like clip that five minutes and play it at the next meeting next semester. Cause you know, I could, you know, my wife is on the Belisario alumni board. She's a Penn Stater as well. We didn't yeah. meet at school. You know, we, she probably should have a million times. We were probably within a couple feet of each other, but we met afterwards. Uh, she's on the Belisario alumni board. She's a huge Penn State basketball fan. I mean, like the biggest Penn State basketball fan. Yeah. Uh, right. We should clip that and send it to them. Like, hey, tell Dean Harden, hey, you guys need a pitch for Com Radio. Okay. You know, there's people like me, you know, uh, my good pal, Mark Wishnia, who was in my wedding. He was the GM my junior year before I was a GM. You know, there are people who will make the pitch for the program, for the school any day, you know, 24-7, 365. 
we'll go to bat for com radio and then we'll tell everybody join up get as involved as you can yeah and that's definitely something i do now as a student and i'm gonna do uh when i get older so i want to just say thank you once again for coming on the show i had a great time talking with you is there any like advice or any last things that you want to say to anybody that might be listening or watching? Yeah, I mean a couple things. I mean, always keep working again. For, if you have the opportunities, like you will in Com Radio, every rep is important. Even if you have a bad show, a bad segment, a bad game, doing play by play, whatever, it's a learning experience. So you know, keep that dedication. This is a tough business. Mm -hmm. You have to be. A grinder you have to work hard you got to be ready to make that commitment and at the same time don't be discouraged don't get knocked down learn from your mistakes but don't let anything whether it's outside noise or inside don't ever let it knock you down if you think you can do this go for it because i mean that that's what this business is it's a lot of people who just decide you know what i'm gonna go do this i'm gonna be successful in it so just keep working at it keep practicing and you know anything you can to break through you have this podcast that's great anything you can do to get on the air as early and as often as you can is a good opportunity yeah thank you very much i really appreciate it i actually do a show every thursday morning with another friend named ben it's called the ben and ben show it's about go. new york sports so if you want to take a listen to it next thursday that'll be awesome but yeah i try to do everything i can i try to get um, take advantage of all the opportunity because I always say Penn State is is the best. They they supply the opportunity, and it's not just the best because of the whiteout game, but they have everything you need. Yeah, that was the best. That was what com, what Jeff Brown sold me on with Com Radio. Get on the air immediately. Get on the air often, and learn how to do this. Not by watching, but by doing. You know, he preached that as that being the best way. I agreed that was the best way. And my in my experience that is the best way for people to learn. So it's awesome to see that you're taking full advantage of it. Yeah. So guys, that will wrap up this show. Thank you all for listening. Or if you're watching live, thank you again. I hope you all have an amazing weekend. And Michael, thank you. And I hope our Jets can get Aaron Rodgers any second. Uh, thank you, Ben, for having me. Let's hope this is a great weekend. Penn State wins the Big Ten tournament in the NCAA tournament. Aaron Rodgers is a Jet. That sounds amazing. And then hopefully in a few weeks, the hockey can win the NCAA tournament. And I know you're a Rangers fan. I'm a Devils no, fan. I'm an Islanders fan. I'm oh, Islanders. Fan. Excuse me. I'm Excuse off me. The, <laughs> the Islanders are getting better. My Devils are somehow on top of the standings. I still can't believe it after this. It could be a great bad. spring for New York sports. We could have, I mean, we're definitely going to have the Rangers, Devils, and Knicks in the playoffs. Should have the Nets. Good chance we have the Islanders as well. Plus, both baseball teams have World Series expectations. Plus, you could be looking at definitely a Giants team with high expectations and maybe a Jets team with high expectations, too. Sal and I were talking about this on the air last night. I mean, all five basketball and hockey teams have only made the playoffs together once in 94. So if that happens again, plus adding in the football and baseball, this could be a time for New York sports yeah. unlike anything we've seen before. I'm going to enjoy every second of it because that is like, that's unbelievable. And as we know, it could disappear and you can go through one. <laughs> yes, it can. Maybe not for the Yankees and Mets, but definitely can get bad for the Devils, Islanders, Rangers, Knicks. And yeah, it's like Penn State basketball. 12 years can go by really quickly. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, thank you again. I hope everyone enjoyed the episode. If you did, uh, make sure to follow Michael on Twitter. It's at Michael.Fliegelman. Am I wrong about that? Uh, well, that, that's no, that's my email. The Twitter is at 
M Fliegelman. Okay. M F L I E G E L M A N. So make sure to follow Michael on Twitter. And if you want to see my Twitter, it's at Ben Rossman for it. Thank you all for watching. And again, thank you, Michael. Everyone have a great day and take care.